We left on Friday, now it's Saturday. Press jeans buttoned up, jeans iron slipping up, red shoes walking slow, headphones blaring three stacks, sunglasses flaring out, thick watch hanging low, studded belt pulled taut, three stacks on the radio. Friday night, I'm thinking that we just might run away to some place we we can be who we are we can be who we are love you bond that's what he says at the end ah you gotta love it man it's friday night uh if you get that reference i i praise you i love that show i am a absolute monster when it comes to that show um i have now completed that entire season of i think you should leave uh, three times. I am now on to season two. There's only three seasons. The episodes are short, so I'm not that much of a psycho, but that is my new profound love. Tim Robinson has given me a whole new look at humor. I think it's funny how it necessarily didn't come out of nowhere, but for, for the mainstream, he came out of nowhere and mm-hmm. created a great show, sketch comedy, mm-hmm. that's unlike other shows we've seen before, and it, he's not only hilarious, but there's so many quotable moments from every show that you can that you can use. This song being one of them. Friday night. Yeah. Thinking that we just might. His bumper sticker says honk if you're horny. <laughs> and the guy just won't leave him alone. He just keeps honking and honking uh-huh. and honking. Because I think everybody got introduced to the show probably the same way. With the, uh, you sure about that? Like you sure about that? That's where that whole like meme started. And then everyone's like, what is this from? And then I found out that he was a writer on SNL, mm-hmm. and they were basically just like, yeah, we're never going to use this. It just doesn't fit our show. I was like, okay. And then Netflix signs him, and now he's, uh, I think he won an Emmy for uh, Best Actor in a Comedy Short, and another guy of the same show, his like best friend of the show, they also uh, won an award as well. But yeah, the show Well, and how fantastic. hilarious that, that SNL said, we're never going to use this, and yeah. now I've seen that more than any SNL season in the last, I don't know how many years. Yeah, I mean, SNL's hit or miss these days. A lot more miss than hit. It kind of depends for me on who the musical guest is and who the host is. Yes. Like, I thought Timothy Chalamet was okay. I thought Travis Kelsey was decent. I wasn't, like, blown away by Kelsey. I thought he was okay. Um, the skits were funnier than what Kelsey brought to the table, but he was still good on them. Yeah. For being a non-actor. Yeah, for now. Um, Travis Kelsey had... Uh, had some pretty interesting audio uh, about loving the challenge that is every year AFC Championship. Game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge to find new ways to have success. And I think that's what this year has brought for me is um, that obstacle and, and figuring, out, figuring out how I can get the best out of myself, how I can figure out how I can get the best out of my teammates. Um, and uh, all, all at the same time, being a great leader, bringing that energy, uh, showing for the young guys, you know, the type of determined mindset you got to have week in, week out. Um, and you know what, man? I love that challenge. I was uh, talking to my brother the other day on the uh, podcast. It was just there's certain things that give you challenges in life um, that you just got to be appreciative that you're getting tested, you know, because not everybody gets those opportunities, especially when you get to do it with a group of men and women that uh, they can rally together with and, uh, and, and really, you know, prove, you, prove yourselves what you're made of. So Travis Kelsey uh, giving you a little bit more inside information on why it makes the Chiefs more and more eager to get to this stage because they are just always trying to figure out different ways to, you know, continue to be this dominant force in the NFL. And that's kind of what this is. And there are different challenges year in and year out, right? There's been times where 
Mahomes' ankle wasn't 100%. How do you, you know, how do you get through that? How do you go on through the playoffs? How do you continue to, you know, be your same self? Gets to the Super Bowl. Time where he dislocates his knee, goes to the Super Bowl and wins it, right? There's just all these different obstacles. And what we've seen this week so far is that the injury report has kind of given the Chiefs a new sort of challenge this week. Last week, Buffalo was super banged up, right? And everybody you know, reaches out to, you know, whoever. What do you think about this game? What's your, you know, what's your thought process on the matchup? What's your prediction? And I would always lead with, look, the Chiefs have more experience. The Chiefs have done this year in and year out. You have Patrick Mahomes and you have a healthier team. Buffalo's really beat up. On the other side, the flip side of this week, Baltimore is a lot more healthier than Kansas City in the circumstances that we are provided with today. Right, Isaiah Pacheco has the toe injury or the ankle, the combined thing. And I'm trying to tell myself that the reason why he's limited or not practicing is, does he necessarily need to? Right, He's a running back. Keep him off the foot. Keep the keep it out of the way. Make sure he's taking proper precaution. And I can almost guarantee you a thousand percent when it gets to the game on Sunday afternoon, when the rosters are officially due, Isaiah Pacheco will be good to go. We'll have no sort of, you know, setback to what his gameplay will be. I still think they're going to try to give him the ball 12 to 15 times, barring any sort of early game exit. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Willie Gay, a little bit concerning as well, as he's your, what we call our 007 this week when it comes to spying the quarterback, right? He's the guy that's got to make sure that Lamar Jackson doesn't get a little too goofy on the outside of the tackles and get away with, you know, one of those 20 to 30 yard runs that Lamar Jackson is so good and prone to be able to do. He did it last week against Houston as well. Took off right up the middle. And we saw that the Chiefs struggle with uh, Josh Allen trying to make things work with his legs using the behind the line of scrimmage strategy. This is one of those things where it's a challenge. You have to have somebody step up if Willie Gay cannot go. I think he's going to go, right? This is the AFC Championship game. Willie Gay is on a contract year. He's trying to turn a lot of heads and to show focus that he's one of those elite outside linebackers. And what other chance to do that than against a quarterback who's probably the best to do it on the ground in the season? And one of those guys that's an MVP elite style of different sort of talent-wise when it comes to quarterback, Willie Gay, if you play and you're able to stop Lamar Jackson better than most, then all of a sudden you might see your contract number go up even more. That's definitely probably in his mindset. Plus, another Super Bowl title. If he isn't on the Chiefs, who knows how good his chances are going to another team, right? This would be a Willie Gay Super Bowl ring that he would love to have. It would be, what, his second with this team? He'd be a free agent, two-time Super Bowl champion, Probably if he has a great game or a good game, decent enough, he's going to get a lot of attention towards his name, towards his name in the contract. The other challenge that you look at is the Joe Tooney injury. That's your left guard. That is your, your trusted free space. Always there. Never fails. As Nate Taylor called him on Tuesday when I was filling in for Cody and gold, he's robotic with his mechanisms, with his way he plays. It's like, Oh, there's a guy there. You're blocked. Oh, there's a guy coming over here. You're blocked. Joe Tooney is not there. Patrick Mahomes knows that. Baltimore Ravens, they know it. You know where the focus is going to be when they bring up the pressure? It's going to be right on that left side of the line. They're going to try to get somebody like Allegretti out of their comfort zone. Nick Allegretti has been on this team for five-plus years. This guy knows what he's doing. This guy's been here before. He's not some schmo, but he's not Joe Tooney, which is an unfair class to be part of, right? Joe Tooney's just one of those dudes, man. He's going to be a probably a Hall of Famer, right? He's played with Brady, Mahomes. He's won several rings. He's got the stats to prove how good he is. But this, again, is one of those challenges that the Chiefs have to step up for. The other thing that you could see 
is that with the simplicity of this offense that has worked so well since that Week 17 game against Cincinnati with Isaiah Pacheco, Rushy Rice, Travis Kelsey, right? This is one of these games where your stars kind of have to be stars. This is the blockbuster movie. This is the one everybody's paid to go see. They expect to see what they're paying to get, and that is their stars versus yours. Mark Andrews has been out for several weeks. Mark Andrews is playing. Travis Kelsey has really elevated his game the last two weeks in the playoffs. Travis Kelsey is ready to go. You hear the audio. And if there's one thing that we know, we've given you Mahomes' numbers in the AFC Championship game, right? 1,515 yards, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, a 66 completion percentage. Travis Kelsey, no different when it comes to the AFC Championship game. Sorry about that. But there's no difference there. Travis Kelsey, last year, Eight targets, seven catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. The year before, 11 targets, 10 catches, a touchdown. Buffalo game in the AFC Championship game, 13 receptions, 15 targets, two touchdowns, 118. Those are the last three years for Travis Kelsey. He's got to be that guy this week if you're going to be using the scheme of we're going to get the ball out quick, we're not going to let their defense be explosive or get into our backfield. If they do, Mahomes Go be the improvisational quarterback that you can be, which is so dominant to, compared to others. Rushy Rice, Travis Kelsey, quick little outs, quick little passes, use yards after catch to continue the drives. That is going to be the challenge. Can they get to that if Isaiah Pacheco isn't, in fact, 100% and can't really use it 12 to 15 times, maybe gets 10 carries. Light workload, but still effective. Maybe Isaiah Pacheco on this sort of thing is run on first down, run on third and short, Move the chains with 87 and 15 and really let your rookie and Rashid Rice carry the load. But again, Blake, this is a game where it's at the top of the mountain of the AFC championship game. This is it. The winner goes to the grand prize. Your stars have to be stars. The stars got to be stars. And I, I think the big thing that the Chiefs need to do, going, especially going into the red zone, what has one of their biggest problems been all year? Red zone scoring. When historically the last six years, we've been the best in red zone scoring. Pacheco. Give him the ball in the red zone. No trick plays, Andy. You don't need to do a whole bunch of stuff. Unless you're consistently getting stopped with Pacheco in the red zone in, in the third quarter, you need to pull something out. Use him. The guy gets six yards a carry, it seems like, every single time because he's running like he's mad at the ground. And I know that the terminology has been used so much. But give him the ball in the red zone. No trick plays. The guy can score. He can put it in the end zone. Give it to him. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, go to your bread and butter. Sometimes you may not like it all the way till the end, but sometimes it's just the best recipe for the matchup. And that is, you know, well, keep forcing them, right? Keep forcing them to be the guy. Travis Kelsey, 36 catches for 344 yards and has scored five touchdowns in five games in the AFC Championship game career. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. 100%. I think your, your red zone goal is Travis and Pacheco. Treat Pacheco the years that you did when you had Holmes, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles. You didn't stray away in the red zone from those guys. You gave it to them. Now there was a period where we had kind of a smattering of running backs. This is not one of those guys. I think this is one of those guys that's always consistent. Travis Kelsey, always consistent. Go with your bread and butter, like you said. The best part about this game is a lot of the guys on this one one roster know exactly what to do and when to do it with a certain amount of level of intensity this game. The other team, not a lot of experience in this game. In fact, basically none, but there are some studs on the defensive side for the Baltimore Ravens as there are for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's not uh, let's not sell ourselves short. Coming up on the other side, Baltimore. I believe they have more pressure, and Peter Schrager said something that I'm not really sure makes a whole lot of sense. 
because of what is the atmosphere at Arrowhead as opposed to what it is at Baltimore. That's Blake of Dusty Likens. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. I feel like uh, Cody and Gold's getting ready to start. Do you know this is their theme song? I do. It's a classic, though. Yeah. You got the hot step, baby. It's good. Do you know who the, the artist is? Can you pronounce his name? I guess is the better question. I have question. no idea who this is. Eni Kamosi. All right. Shout out, Cody and Gold. Somebody says, what is this? Are we on Cody and Gold at 720? Uh-uh. You're not. I love the fact that Mahomes has no pressure on him in this game. We weren't supposed to make it this far this year, leading the league in drops and penalties. Lamar is losing his AFC championship game virginity uh, to a dude who's hosted the past six seasons. Well, the last five. I think Lamar has a ton of stress on him in this game, and I don't know if he'll be able to handle it honestly. All right. We'll find out Sunday at 2 o'clock. That's when it starts. I do like the fact that this game is um, the first game. I will be honest with you with that. Because last year, it was the late game. And after the game was over, the entire group of people at my house, we just all went downtown, Lee Summit, and just just got rowdy. So at least at this time, what, this game will be over at 5.30, 5 o'clock-ish, somewhere around there. If this game goes successful enough, we will then take the group back down and uh, – I think last year I got on top of the bar and got everybody to do the tomahawk chop. Was the was the shirt waving above the head? No, I'm not a shirtless guy. You're I mean, not I'm a Jason not, Kelsey? No. Um, I'm not afraid to take my shirt off. I mean, I, I feel like I look okay without a shirt, but I just uh I'm not I'm not that I'm I was the guy that like pounded the chair against the ground and then the owner of the bar she came over and she's like, don't do that. You can do whatever else you want, just don't do that. I was like, All right, sorry, sorry. I believe it was last year. Was it last year or two years ago we played the Titans? And I, that was uh, a long time ago. No, 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 not, not, not in the AFC Championship game. It was just uh, there was a game where we played the Titans, and uh, Kelly's, the owner of Kelly's, came over and tell me to stand down. Mm. It was good, though. I, I know the guys, so it was uh, yeah. all, you know, it was all fair. I do respect Peter Schrager for holding on to his, what I would consider his biased sort of, love that he has for the Chiefs. He's kind of always held on to it, never jumped away from it, always led up to it. But he did say something today that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense about stadium noise. I don't think we can say it enough how much of a home field advantage that Baltimore Mm. has in Mm. this game. And I I know that Mahomes and these guys have been on in some big stages and they won in Buffalo. This place is going to be pandemonium. (laughs) And you kind of touched on it. I only think you mentioned a few, though, because it's Ed Reed, it's Ray Lewis, it's Terrell Suggs. It is Anquan Bolden. It is Jonathan Ogden. They're all coming out pregame. They're all going to get the crowd going. And last week, we saw it on the field. The Houston Texans had five false starts. They couldn't hear a thing. Stroud was struggling at the line. And over the course of the year, the Ravens have caused 19 different false starts. That's because of the defense. That's because of the crowd. And I think the way to beat the Chiefs is to get up early and just ride that momentum. They've done it. Okay. I mean, that's a really easy strategy to have, right? Get up early and ride the momentum. I mean, duh. But the other thing, too, is that the Chiefs are no strangers to loud, obnoxious places, right? Everywhere they go, whether it's the regular season or last year or last week in Buffalo, 
it doesn't matter. You're the best of the best, and everybody wants to beat you because you're the one that stands supreme at the top. You've won two titles, as your quarterback has done, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. You have the most prolific tight end in football, probably the greatest tight end ever play of the game. Needs six catches to go over Jerry Rice's numbers in the playoffs, which is just outstanding. Nuts. But when you think about the crowd noise, if that's where you think the advantage lies and your defending argument is that it got C.J. Stroud, look, I'm no stranger uh, to doing sports radio in the playoffs. I'm just, we've been here, we've done it. C.J. Stroud's a rookie, right? Like, C.J. Stroud should have been a little, you know, spooked out by what was a playoff crowd. It was, you know, not the greatest of weather. I think it's going to rain in Baltimore on Sunday. I think there's a chance for it, at least towards the middle or the end of the game. And I think the interesting thing about that comment is that, yeah, that's a perfect case scenario, right? Because you could have the same sort of situation if the game was in Kansas City. Oh, the defense is going to be, you know, bringing pressure. The crowd's going to be electric. There's going to be... It's playoff football. Baltimore is, you know, a hostile environment, I guess, but it's not like the Chiefs are not aware of what a hostile environment is or what a hostile situation a playoff game can be, let alone they just came from Buffalo. That place was rocking for the first two and a half quarters. Middle of the third quarter when Patrick Mahomes took the lead, everybody kind of got into this point where they're like, ah, crap, and the crowd was out of it. This is also an experienced quarterback in this sort of element. And when you put all of that together and you take it into Baltimore, there will be the crowd at the start of the game that will be absolutely electric. You'll hear Tony Romo or Jim Nance tell you, this place is rocking, man. There's a whole bunch of people just cheering their heads off. And all it takes is one methodical drive from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to kind of level the playing field. And if their only advantage from what they're thinking is that the crowd is going to play a part, I don't honestly know if you know who the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs is. It doesn't matter. We led the show with who he is. He's got that Jordan, that LeBron, that Kobe, that Tom Brady bone in his body that just makes him kind of show up in situations of adversity. And again, there's another thing here that's also that crowd that's going to be electric and going to be high octane for a while has no idea how long and how fast, which sounds kind of contradicting. This game is, this is a game of first second to the last second, unless there is a blowout, which I can't see that happening. Mahomes really has only lost by what double digit points four times bucks, Titans, bills, and then the Denver Broncos this year, 24 to nine, four times in six seasons, right? One was in a super bowl. All the others came in a regular season game. Mahomes in the playoffs simply doesn't need a crowd to distract him. It won't happen. But you can keep believing that it will, and that's fine. I just trust that the quarterback of this team will not and cannot, does not, let a crowd affect him. The only thing that will affect Patrick Mahomes is if the team fumbles or the team drops a pass that leads to an interception. Because of what he's done and how he's done it, cool, calm, and collected, and been basically a pro at this sort of game, Right, three and two in his years. The only time he lost a game was D four was offsides. Patrick Mahomes never got the ball again. The other one, Patrick Mahomes was maybe a little bit to blame or a lot to blame because it was the worst second half we've ever seen the quarterback play. But tell me that the crowd noise. Give me something more. Give me oh, the defense is good. Their safety, they're all pro safeties. Great. There's their cornerbacks are good. Their D line, Patrick Queen, he'll be a menace of society when it comes to stopping this Chiefs defense or Chiefs offense. 
But to say that the crowd will be up and they will cause false starts and they use C.J. Stroud, look, I think C.J. Stroud's the top-ten quarterback in the league. Probably going to win Rookie of the Year. We'll get into some uh, awards a little bit later of the finalists that are on those awards. But again, don't put C.J. Stroud and Patrick Mahomes in the same sentence. Don't put the Chiefs and the Texans in the same sentence. Don't use the Texans as an example to define or to defend your topic against the Chiefs. I just don't like that sort of thing. That ain't my kind of thing. You're better than that, Peter. In my opinion. It's like, how loud can it get? Can't get louder than Arrowhead. If there's anybody that can be a, a commander-in-chief of their offense, you have the best one. If there's anybody that's been through what is an AFC championship game, you have the most experienced one. And if you have anybody that might get a little nervous, you have one that is immune to nerves. The only time I've seen Patrick Mahomes nervous was in that first half, I guess, of the New England game in his first year in the NFC Championship game, and then adjusted against Bill Belichick. Maybe he was a little nervous towards the end of that AFC Championship game where they lost to Cincinnati where everything just kind of went into, you know, chaos. They still only lose by three. Don't tell me the crowd's going to affect Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense because this Chiefs, this Chiefs offense is not C.J. Stroud. It is not the Houston Texans who were playing with house money. Somebody says, wasn't Terrell Suggs' last Super Bowl ring with the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, yeah, mixed emotions. Texas Rattlesnake takes 13 seconds to strike, and you know he's lethal. Yeah. I, mean, I think this game comes down to a field goal. I don't think this game is a blowout by any means, but I definitely don't think a Baltimore crowd is going to affect. Look, those fans are nervous. They're more nervous than you are, right? Chiefs lose. You're pissed. But again, you got to the AFC Championship game, but I don't think the Chiefs lose. I think they win by a field goal of 50 yards with, like, time running out. And then we hear Jim Nance. Oh, Patrick Mahomes, back to where he's been so many times before. This will be his fourth Super Bowl. I don't know. Dust, what I love about the most about this matchup is that you have almost, almost complete matchups across the board. Right. You have Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, two mm-hmm. MVPs. Okay. You have the top one and two defenses in the entire league. Okay. You also have the best kickers, one and two, and I would say ours is number one and uh, Justin Tucker's number two. At least in this year. At least this year. But is that not make this matchup even more like, oh, man, the the I want to say the anxiousness, but I, I do believe that Chiefs fans were more nervous about Buffalo than they are about the Ravens, and I could be just out on an island by myself on this. No, I don't think you're – It's. I think a lot of it had to do with it was the first time on the road. Yeah. And we've seen how that works out. Right. Go be the villain. But I love the the matchup across the board of the best of the best of the best. You could even go awesome. as far, you could even go as further as Zay Flowers, Rushy Rice. Exactly. You could go Mark Andrews, Rookies. Travis Kelsey. There you go. Yeah, they mirror image each other. Is it sure. now now uh, forgive me mm-hmm. for my ignorance. Is Andrews slated to play? Yes. He is back. This yeah. is the first he did not play last week. No, they had a ramp up with him last yes, week. Yes, I thought so. Okay. Getting through the the procedure of practice yep. and all that, and then then yeah, he I was... figured he would, but I I and I know it was speculative, but mm-hmm. just making sure. Yeah, he'll be there. How healthy he'll be, but they'll have him and Isaiah likely. That's for sure. Plus the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, they got a pretty good tight end themselves, and Travis Kelsey. They also have a better quarterback, which is pretty confidence pretty confident to have this time of the year. Coming up on the other side, we get to what we do every single Friday night, which was the audio of the week. What do the experts have to say? Yay, nay, you're okay with it? James Palmer, Mitch Holtis, Nate Taylor, Pete Sweeney, all those guys. All their audio from the week about this game. Coming up on the other side, plus at 745, we'll get into the season awards of the finalists on the list and have a little debate 
on maybe where we agree or disagree with who deserves what when it comes to the NFL awards and the out of left field question at 8 o'clock. It's already going by. It's an hour and a half down. we got an hour and a half left. Thanks for joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. After hours on a Friday night, rolling along, Blake and Dusty with you all night until 9 p.m. Um, Chiefs Ravens on Sunday at 2 o'clock. I'll be on the air from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And uh, we'll get you set up for everything that we can before the Chiefs Radio Network starts over uh, at 10 o'clock. And they'll go until game kick. And then they'll have post game with Jay Binkley on Arrowhead Pride Radio, which will always have. Pete Sweeney, Josh Klingler, all that uh, involved as well. Um, hopefully we're going another two weeks talking about the Chiefs into the promised land that is Vegas against either the Detroit Lions or the San Francisco 49ers. Who do you like in that matchup? Do you like the Niners? You, you trust uh, Shanahan, Purdy, McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle over Jared Goff, Aiden Hutchinson, Jameer Gibbs, James Williams, Amara St. Brown, Sam Laporta. Yeah, just let, name the whole roster, Ed. Mm-hmm. Now, I th- That's just I th- fantasy football coming out. <laughs> I think the I think the thing that that is worrying some to me is the fact that I don't think that the Detroit Lions defense is going to be able to handle the task. Now that being said, I think their offense mm-hmm. is equal to, if not better, is their running back as good? No. Is their quarterback better? Yes. Is their receivers better? I think it's a tie. I'm in Ross St. Brown. I, I think they have a bigger plethora. Now, Ayuk and uh, Ayuk and Samuel, they are top tier. And if you look at what Rasheed Rice did this year, mm-hmm. and then you look at what Ayuk did this year, Ayuk had four more catches than Rasheed Rice and had 400 more yards, or three 350 more yards. Same amount of touchdowns, but I'm like, that's an incredible stat to have that many more on that many catches, which means he catches so many downfield. So to answer your question, I don't know. I'd like the Lions. I think America is rooting for the Lions. I think the entire world is rooting for the Lions. Will they be able to pull it out? I think it's going to be a lot closer game than um, than people expect. But mm-hmm. I, I think uh, eventually they fall short. Whatever quarterback throws the most interceptions will be the loser. If Goff throws two and Purdy throws one, 49ers win. If Purdy throws two and Goff throws one, Lions win. This is the audio of the week. We start with Patrick Mahomes on why the regular season – it doesn't quite add up to the postseason. I would say it's just challenging the fact that I had to deal with a lot of adversity, uh, getting uh, not having the success that I've that I've had in the past. Uh, knock on wood, I haven't had to deal with any of like the injuries or anything I've dealt with before in a season. So I, I call those seasons challenging. But at the same time, um, being able to not win all the games and going out there and have big stats and all the different type of stuff has been different. Um, but it's taught me how to win in different ways and and become the best quarterback for our team, not necessarily the best quarterback. Uh, for stats and stuff like that, but the best quarterback I can be for us to go out there and get wins. And that's all that matters. Stats don't matter in the playoffs. What matters is wins. Patrick Mahomes 3-2 and two in AFC Championship games. Lamar Jackson 0-0. O o. Patrick Mahomes on the road in the playoffs 1-0. and o. Lamar Jackson 
didn't dive that deep into the stats. Lamar Jackson, when talking about facing Patrick Mahomes. I don't like competing against him at all. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not even a, a no-brainer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, but it, it's just – I believe it's just two, two, two greats, um, up-and-coming greats, just going toe-to-toe. You know, like a heavyweight fight. I love that Lamar Jackson came out and said that early in the week, right when they were able to talk to media. It was Wednesday. It's fantastic to know that most quarterbacks, if not all other quarterbacks, when facing Mahomes, just kind of give you the, you know, the redundant, the overused cliches of, oh, he's, you know, Pat's the best. He's the one. He's proven it. He's, you know, Lamar Jackson just flat out came out and said, I don't like a pair. I don't like a peanut against him at all. I don't want to play against that guy. He gets it. He humanized himself with the media, and it was great. They had a laugh, but it's a laugh of like, oh, that's crazy that somebody actually said that about Patrick Mahomes because it's actually pretty true. We've talked about what teams will do with guys being out. This was James Palmer talking about the blitzing schemes from one Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, that was the highest percentage Lamar has faced in his career, Patrick. And look at the Chiefs. They blitz quite a bit. Fifth highest rate in the NFL, you know they're gonna bring pressure, but how do they do it, you're right, differently than the Houston Texans did. The first one is, they're just so multiple. They bring it in so many different ways. I remember having a conversation with Dolphins Pro Bowl fullback, Alec Ingold, ahead of the wild card game. He said, yeah, I'm spending all my time trying to figure out the thousand different protections I need to have for all these different blitzes to try to protect Tua. The other part is, they're so talented in how they do bring pressure. Doing that divisional round game up in Buffalo, the Bills believe that all pro cornerback Trent McDuffie might be the best blitzing corner in the NFL. And he's not the only one that comes and is successful with it. Legereus Sneed, the other corner. It's Justin Reed, the safety as well. So they bring really talented blitzers. But the last part, maybe the most important one, Steve Spagnuolo's feel for offenses. And that's what stands out most to head coach Andy Reed. It's that he picks the right times to send extra pressure, and his feel for this Ravens offense is going to be extremely important when they bring pressure against Lamar Jackson. And that's the thing. Lamar Jackson is going up against one of the top-tier defenses in the league. We haven't seen a whole lot of the Ravens. You know, they played San Francisco. That was during the the drought for the Niners, right? That's when they dropped three in a row. They beat San Francisco safe and sound, right? They just played a Houston Texans team that's not really known for their defense, but it's on the rise, right? D'Amico Ryans, he kind of seems like a guy that's going to get that thing shaped up. They might have the rookie of the year on their defensive side as well. But again, it's not this Chiefs team. If there's one thing that we know and that we've heard is that Steve Spagnuolo can be like a wizard, right? He can be somebody that draws things up. He knows what's not there. He knows what players are going to be at full capacity and what they can do. Leo Chanel, Drew Tranquil. Going to have to see a lot of them if Willie Gay can't continue to go or continue to be that outside threat or the double O agent that we've called him this week. But we'll see what happens. And when you talk about James Palmer, you know he's going to have some sort of audio on Patrick Mahomes. I think, Patrick, you can look at what everybody's saying out of Baltimore over these last two days. You heard Roquan Smith saying there's really nothing you can throw at him that he hasn't seen before. The way he reads defenses is really what stands out to me. Disguises anything you want to put out there. The Baltimore Ravens are talking about how Patrick Mahomes knows how to read it and knows how to adjust to it. Now, what benefits youngsters like Rasheed Rice right there is how Andy Reid said the unique ability to teach everything he sees, he's going out there and telling those around him before they even have a chance to ask. Keep your eye on Sunday because he's done this over the years. 
yelling back to the sideline while he's still on the field during that opening drive, trying to tell the coaching staff and others on the sideline what he's seeing so they can start preparing some changes and some counters to what the defense is doing out there. Rasheed Rice has been very diligent in the way he's gone about his rookie season, endless notes and meetings, but he rarely ever gets a chance to ask Mahomes a question because Mahomes is usually the one approaching him first about how he wants things done. You saw Kimmy, by the way, sitting there with Isaiah Pacheco. He hasn't practiced either one of these days. The Chiefs aren't overly concerned right now because of the toe injury. He's still expected to play. But I will tell you, their star left guard in Joe Tooney has a pec strain, hasn't practiced either one of these games, Patrick. My understanding is it is a long shot for him to go out and play in this game. That is a big blow to this offensive line in front of him. Obviously, this is audio of the week, so the announcement already there that Joe Tooney will not be activated for this game. But again, not a lot you can throw at Patrick Mahomes, right? We could say the opposite for quarterbacks in the league when they face a Chiefs team. It's like, well, they haven't played the Chiefs defense. You could say that about Patrick Mahomes. Well, Patrick Mahomes hasn't played the Ravens defense. That's correct. But how many times do we see Patrick Mahomes in the past as a young buck whenever he'd go up against Bill Belichick, right? Or even like a Mike Vrabel, guys that were defensively smarter than you and you knew it. And Patrick Mahomes, it took a quarter, it took a half to adjust, and then it was a completely different story, right? Mahomes, when he played Belichick, the first couple drives would be like, okay, they're taking away this. And then it's that photographic memory where it's, oh, they're bringing this safety up when we do this. Let's run this over here. Patrick Mahomes is smarter than any other quarterback in the league. I truly believe that. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be playing in this game for a sixth consecutive year. If he wasn't, he wouldn't already have the accolades that he already has. He wouldn't have all of the pudding and the proof in the pudding that already is there for one Patrick Mahomes. So, again, I respect it. I think it's true, right? Even the Dolphins, they saw it. Dolphins came out in a game where it was negative 30. Negative 30. And Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 40 one time. This is Nate Taylor on the bigger loss. Willie Gay or Joe Tooney? Um, I believe it's probably Willie Gay. Just because you need as much speed, versatility, um, and just pure athleticism to match Lamar Jackson, particularly when he gets through the first level, right? I think the Chiefs can do a pretty good job generating pressure, whether that's uh Spag- you know, Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, calling some creative blitzes or if that's just your four-man rush of Charles Aminahue, Derek Noddy, um, excuse me, Charles Aminahue, uh, Chris Jones, of course, uh, Mike Dana is who I was trying to reference, and then obviously George Kowalczyk. That's obviously their their speed package uh, to try to get as much immediate pressure as possible. Um, but they've asked a lot out of Drew Tranquil. It's one of the most shrewd signings that Steve, uh, that Steve Spagnuolo and Brett Veach sort of collaborated on in the offseason. Um, asking Drew Tranquil to 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 be as productive, if not more productive, than Willie Gay in his absence is going to be quite a tall order. Um, I have a lot of uh, faith and confidence, I guess you could say, in the fact that because Nick Allegretti's been in the system five years now, because he's been a starter in postseason games, because he played so well even when Joe Tooney went down in the fourth quarter of last week's game. So there you go. You think you see more Leo Chanel, Drew Tranquil, or do you think you see more Clyde Edwards? Gonna need to see a little bit from Clyde. Gonna need to see a little bit of an uptick if that is the case with Isaiah Pacheco and the toe injury. But again, bigger loss, Willie Gay or Joe Tooney. I think Willie Gay makes a lot of sense because of what he can do when it comes to the opposing quarterback. But again, 
It's an AFC championship game. Trust in what you have at quarterback. Trust in your stars. Let your stars and your leaders be leaders. And the rest should follow suit in a real positive form for the Kansas City Chiefs, which has been another trip to a Super Bowl if they can possibly do it. And then we can talk about Vegas. But until we talk about Vegas, we got to win against Baltimore first before you can do any of that. But on the other side, we take a break from the Baltimore-Kansas City Chiefs matchup here in After Hours. Blake and I will go back and forth on the season award finalists. MVP, offensive player, coach of the year, defensive rookie, offensive rookie, all on the table. See how many we have that we seem to like the same or see how many we have on different sides of things. 913-586-7610. It's playoff coverage brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views here on 610 Sports Radio. This is After Hours. We'll be right back. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Final segment of the 7 o'clock hour. Holy smokes, Dr. Jones. I know I say this all the time on Friday nights, but I just it, it never seems to surprise me um, when it comes to this type of night because it's just two hours already gone. Flies by when you're having a good time there, Dust Man. You know what I mean? My man Dusty on the radio killing it. Keep it up, bro. Reggie in Anaheim. Good to see you, Reggie. Dan and KCK, hi, Dusty. Mahomes is good. Adjusting to any defense. And I went to Union Station and took some Chiefs pictures today. Take care. Take care, Dan. A banner fan of this program. It has been for a while. So is Reggie from Anaheim. Both have been here from day one. I always get the pleasure of talking to both of them when we're covering Royals coverage with Vern on at, on the, mm-hmm. uh, the Vern's postgame show. Yeah. Um... Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I'm trying to figure out, like, where I feel these awards are going to go. I'm interested to hear your your uh, picks and arguments. Well, I think this is also, like, one of the weakest years we've had an MVP race. I think there's a lot of arguments to be made, if that's what you mean. I really don't. No? No. I don't think, so here's your most valuable players, finalists. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. Okay. Okay. It's Lamar. Not even close. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would say, oh, it's Christian McCaffrey. It's definitely not Josh Allen. It's definitely not Dak Prescott. And it's definitely not Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy missed three games. Last year, the defining factor was that Patrick Mahomes didn't miss many games as opposed to Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts missed like two games yes. or whatever it was. And they're like, well, Mahomes never missed a game and he played through an ankle injury, blah, 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 blah. Lamar Jackson parlayed one of the biggest offseason stories into a successful ticket. Going into last year, everybody in Baltimore, that's right, the loudest stadium right now, or at least whatever they're calling Peter Schrager says, Lamar Jackson, ah, we don't want to pay him. He quit on the team. He's not really hurt. He's, you know, saving up for a contract. You know what happens when players get contracts. They don't play. That was a lot of the vibes last year with Lamar Jackson, right? They got into the playoffs. He wasn't healthy enough in his standards. He wanted to make sure he was healthy because he wanted to get a, you know, a contract. Also, didn't hire, what was it? Didn't have an agent, represented himself, all that sort of stuff. Lamar Jackson parlayed that into an MVP season, 
a number one seed, the best record in football, and won his division. And there's no doubt that that was the best division in football as every team in that division made the playoffs except one. And the team that didn't lost their quarter. Well, I guess two teams lost their quarterbacks in that division. Three actually lost their quarterbacks in that division. Take that and throw it away. But three of those four teams made the playoffs. Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Whether they were great teams or not, doesn't matter. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and uh, Cleveland all made the playoffs, right? And Lamar Jackson did that in the year after he was scrutinized about how much he wanted to be in Baltimore. To me, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson is the obvious answer. I'd listen to McCaffrey, but we know as everybody, you don't get an MVP award being a running back unless you're Adrian Peterson or somebody runs for 2,000 yards. I think the problem on this list is there's two guys from one team, Mm -hmm. which negates one of the other guy's arguments. Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy has more yards than Lamar Jackson. He has seven more touchdowns. But he's also got Christian McCaffrey on this list, who's had an unbelievable season and continues to just enthrall watchers by the way he runs the football. I think Christian McCaffrey being on this list is a detriment Mm -hmm. to Brock Purdy being on this list. And I will agree with you. I think it's Lamar Jackson. If you're going off purely stats, Mm -hmm. it's going to be Brock Purdy. Dak Prescott, clearly not. Josh Josh Allen, clearly not. Christian McCaffrey, eh, that's where the caveat comes from. Sure, yeah. So as much as I would like to say, well, if we're going off stats, it's Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. You can't because look at the other guy that helped you out the entire time. Look at what your team did against who they did it against. Look at your division. I think when you made a great argument uh, for Lamar Jackson, three other teams that you played against, yes, they might have lost their quarterbacks, but they still made it to the playoffs. And Pittsburgh didn't really even lose their quarterback until the last few weeks of the season. It wasn't Mm. until uh, Christmas that Rudolph did something on Rudolph's day. Mm. So as much as I would love to be the contrarian in this argument, I Mm. think we're both in agreement. I think it has to be Lamar Jackson. We move on to Offensive Player of the Year. Tyree Kill, Lamar Jackson, CeeDee Lamb, Chris McCaffrey, Dak Prescott. Lamar Jackson won't win Offensive Player of the Year. He'll win MVP. The argument now is between Tyree Kill and Chris McCaffrey. Five weeks ago, I would have told you, don't even put another player on the list. It's Tyree Kills to lose. Chris McCaffrey has a very strong, very strong argument as he should be the offensive player of the year. Because in that offense that is loaded with stars, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, himself, he was the number one offensive piece on that team. But I think it goes to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had a year that Justin Jefferson had last year, if not better. And Tyreek Hill, I think, at least in my opinion this year, was the best offensive piece on a team in the NFL season. Again, the speed, the touchdowns, all of which, you know, came from Tyreek Hill in that Miami offense um, that was number one in the league. I think Tyreek Hill gets the offensive player of the year. I think Christian McCaffrey will fall second in two different categories. I think he'll be second in MVP votes, and I think he'll be second in offensive player of the year votes. C.D. Lamb has a good argument. C.D. Lamb... Going to lose some votes if people start voting for Dak Prescott as well now, which I don't understand how Dak Prescott's getting so much love on everything. I mean, I know he had a decent season. 
the Defensive Player of the Year awards to Ron Bland from the Dallas Cowboys, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett from the Cleveland Browns, Micah Parsons, and TJ Watt. I think the award goes to Miles Garrett. Although Deron Bland has an has a, a outside shot because what he had six pick sixes this year set the NFL record. Let alone, I mean, six touchdowns, man. That's just nuts. I I almost lean towards Deron Bland, but I I know why Miles Garrett will get it. Mm-hmm. As far as the wow factor in the incredible, unbelievable stati- statistical category, mm-hmm. I have to lean Deron Bland. Mm-hmm. I mean, six, I mean, six touchdowns. Yeah. That just on is defense? Like, that just trumps everything. Are you kidding me? That's one less score than Rasheed Rice had on, on Kansas City. So if you look at the way we talk about the running backs, the only way that running backs win the works, I think defensive play of the year is always like a D end, it seems like. Um, but if you're going to do something, you have to do something obscure to win it away from a defensive player, like the defensive end. And six touchdowns is almost the equivalent of having a 2,000-yard rushing season for a running back where it's like, yeah, normally it goes to a quarterback, but this guy ran for 2,000 yards. That's an anomaly yeah. at the position, so he's going to get it by default. To go back just for a quick second, mm-hmm. I I would argue that C.D. Lamb might have a better chance of winning because mm-hmm. he did it through a whole season uh, for offensive player. Mm-hmm. Just, just yeah, go yeah. back for a quick second. Yeah, because he did it consistently the whole year. Mm-hmm. Tyreek fell off at the end half of the year. Besides the last game he played, mm-hmm. where he had two hundred fifteen yards. Yeah. Other than that, he only had one more touchdown than CD and he only had a, a handful of more yards than CD mm-hmm. CD did it consistently. And I believe he had one more 100 yard game and he did it with, I believe a less competent quarterback. Mm. That's my argument for that. Moving forward. You're taking two over Dak. Uh, as far as gameplay and who I would rather have. Mm-hmm. Yes. I take two over Dak. Now do I want any of them? Patrick Mahomes? No, but yeah. two over Dak. Yes. I think we both agree. Defensive rookie of the year is going to go to Will Anderson in Houston. Yes. That's a lock. That's a lock. Okay. This is the best category this year, which is the offensive rookie of the year, because there is a debate for three players. I don't think Jameer Gibbs gets it. I don't think Bajan Robinson nope. gets it. Nope. I think they're both studs. Out. I think they'll both be great. But you could honestly have a three-way tie with Sam Laporta, Puka Nakua, and C.J. Stroud. And let's say you take Sam Laporta out. You're like, oh, yeah, great year for a tight end. Set records, whatever. Young rookie out of Iowa, the tight end, university capital of the world. Is it a slam dunk that C.J. Stroud's going to win this over Puka? I I personally don't believe it should be a slam dunk, mm-hmm. but quarterbacks always get favor in any type of award. Mm-hmm. The fact that he took a Texans team that nobody had faith in and took them to the playoffs, not only the playoffs, took mm-hmm. them to the second round of the playoffs and lost to the team that's playing in the AFC championship game. Right. And at halftime, it was tied 10 to 10. It was the last two quarters that people will remember. I get why people would go with CJ Stroud. I would argue Puka Nakua. And this might be a fantasy bias because I had him on about three different teams this year. Mm. He did something at receiver that I haven't seen a rookie do in my entire lifetime. Yeah. 1,400 plus yards. Sick. A man of consistency. Mm-hmm. Played almost every game, if not every game. And caught about, it seemed like he caught 11 passes every single game. And he stepped up into a position that was coveted in Cooper Cup when he went down. He stepped up as a rookie mm-hmm. with Matthew Stafford. And went on to do the stats that he did to play the games that he did to catch the amount of passes, 109 catches in a single year as a rookie. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, again, I know I'm comparing. That's 30 more passes than Rasheed Rice, who's second in rookie receiving this year. It's Puka Nakua, and then way down at number two, it's Rasheed Rice and rookie receiving. Yeah. Puka Nakua, to me, is head and shoulders the offensive rookie of the year, but that's not going to happen because when you have a quarterback in the mix, it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Last year, a wide receiver won it. I believe two years ago, a wide receiver won it, and four years ago, a wide receiver won it. I believe it was Garrett but, Wilson, Jamar Chase, and then there's one. But then you have to go back and look at the rookie quarterbacks who came in no, I know, in, I know, in those I know, years, I know, I know, and I know. what did they do? Yeah, I know, I know. We are way too late for a break. That is my fault, but we come back. We do the out-of-left-field question tonight. I give you the question before the break. What are two foods that when you put them together, elevate what they become? Two foods, you put them together. What are they that make that meal elevated that much higher? The number is 913-586-7610. The out-of-left-field question, what are two foods together that elevate it to make it elite? It's Blake. I'm Dusty. We'll do the out-of-left-field question up on the other side. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.